In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Welcome to the middle of summer, and I think I think that's what this is, right? We're officially in the middle. I'm not sure when everybody calls the middle, but for us, after 4th of July, we're usually kind of in this panic mode of like, did we get everything done that we wanted to do this summer? And feverishly planning for the rest of summer before we get him back into a school routine or into just a life routine. Summer's always off a little bit for everyone, I've noticed, because everyone's just kind of off adventuring. It's a great time to adventure. Our summer's been interesting. We got out of school. Um, as you know, my my kids are in school and my husband is a teacher. So we got off of school and I think have been home all of maybe four days since then. We were in Hawaii for three weeks, followed by a week up north in the RV. Over 4th of July, we went to northern Wisconsin and the UP. And so it's been a really interesting summer for us because it's it's flipped. You know, usually we're getting out of school and we're trying to create this routine amidst a crazy transition. And it's almost the opposite this year. Like we got out of Dodge and now we're settling back in going, oh, this is what it's like to be home. And it's been really refreshing, actually. All of us are kind of finding our space and figuring out this new stride. The one thing that was kind of fun when And I wouldn't normally say this, but it rained for almost three days when we got home and it forced us to be inside. And for us, it was refreshing because we just needed some downtime. And often I don't think we really give ourselves enough space or enough time to process that transition. You know, we go on these epic adventures or even little adventures and we kind of just expect ourselves to jump right into the next thing. So the rain really gave us an opportunity to slow down get reacquainted with ourselves, our house, our our routine, what we wanted summer to look like in the coming weeks and months. And one of the reasons I'm really excited about this episode is sometimes we're not always off physically adventuring. We might be having more passive time or indoor time. And so I wanted to also expose you to adventures that can be done during these passive times in ways that might trigger different thoughts, different connections, take you through some new and different experiences. And so I was really fascinated when I met Austin. Austin's a member of my podcast network, and he is the host of the Matt and Board podcast. The podcast studies the intersection of tabletop gaming and how we think. It is fascinating, by the way. Austin is a cognitive scientist, and he's always been interested in innovative ways to help people learn He's earned his master's degree from Harvard in mind, brain, and education. And in his free time, he really enjoys learning about new cultures, new recipes, and of course, playing board games. I am so delighted to really dive into this topic. We're going to geek out a little bit, and I apologize for that. But I think it's really fascinating to understand some of the science behind how games can really help us be more holistic people and enjoy these experiences and use them for learning, but then also get into some of the fun 
what are these adventures that you're doing? You know, what are these games that you're playing? And I have a whole list, if you stay to the end of the episode, of games that have been mentioned both by Austin and I on this episode. And I also collected a list of other games that I know I've got some pretty intense gaming families who shared some of their top games with us as well. So there is, if you stay to the end of the episode and look in the show notes, there is a list that will be included that you can download as well. But with that, Austin, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. I'm really excited to be on here. So I need to know, can you tell me more of your backstory? Like, how did board games become such a prominent aspect to who you are today? Yeah, I think growing up, you know, games have always been a big part of my childhood, whether it is board games or video games. And they really inspired me to kind of think through the ways that I think and solve problems. And even just thinking through ways that games are a great vehicle to help people understand challenges. And sometimes you don't win every time, but that doesn't mean you should stop trying. And so I've always loved that mentality that it gave me and this, you know, healthy competitiveness as well. And so, yeah, recently, you know, being at home, I started thinking through what are ways that I can maybe have conversations with people about gaming that is talking about it more than just entertainment, but as this vehicle to bring us closer together or teach us about ourselves or, or others. That's fascinating. I, I love that idea of like bringing us together. The why actually behind Ordinary Sherpa is really to help families connect. And so gaming is like the perfect platform for that. It just so happens that most of how we connect through this podcast is through adventure. So I just want to talk a little bit too about connection and some of the games that you have found, just because I think that gives such a great concept. Like I think about some of my favorite games, what are some of your favorite games? Let's just start there and talk about like, how do they build connection? Yeah, I think one of the things I grew up with is some of these classics, right? Chess, Dominoes, Mancala, you know, all these games that have been around really for centuries. And it's been interesting because... I see games as being this interesting way to foster multi-generational connections, right? So this love of games really was kind of handed down for me through my dad, who really liked to play games as well. So we started playing games. We would play chess uh, almost every night until I eventually was able to beat him. And, and I knew the fact that he wasn't letting me win. And it just started this kind of nice way of connecting with somebody uh, that is is you know, older than you, you know, my grandparents also played games with me. I remember, you know, Candyland and some of these other ones that everybody have probably played in their life uh, and just different ways of connecting. I have some older siblings and we would always play games. You know, we'd live at my grandparents' house over the, the summertime. So while my parents were at work and we were on summer break, we were at my grandma's house uh, swimming in the pool. And then we'd come out and, and play different games, the game of life, uh, like I said, dominoes, chess, things like that. And I, so I have a lot of just vivid memories of being able to enjoy some of those older games. And I think right now we're in this board game renaissance and there's so many great titles out there of anything that has ties to your interests. So, you know, you could have things related to sports or, yeah. you know, birds, even if you're a birder. And, and it's just really exciting to see all the different things that people can connect based on their interests. Yes. Thank you for that. Because I was like smiling. I think a lot of our memories of our childhood go back to the things where we do connect with other people. And have. so I think games is a really great way. I'm kind of jealous, too, because I felt like growing up, I always wanted to play the games and I had all brothers who never wanted to play games. So I was like always searching for someone who would play a game with me. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I agree. Some of those, my favorite is chess. And that's one I could always get my dad or my brother to play. It was kind of one of those strategy games. 
Mm-hmm. I love that you have this cognitive science behind who you are and how you think about games. I just to get a little geeky for a second. My master's is actually in educational technology. Okay. And so I really appreciate kind of the cognitive science behind it. Without going into like down the rabbit hole of cognitive science, how is gaming really helping people and to understand cognitive science, to learn and grow and really advance in our learning? Yeah, I think that there's been a lot of interesting research in neuroscience recently where maybe there wasn't the technology to be able to understand the underpinnings of the brain. And until recently, there's been these wonderful studies that have been conducted where you're able to show you know, scientific research that backs some of these areas like education and learning, um, mental health and uh, family bonding, things like that. So that has been something that I found really interesting. And part of my podcast has been part of this uh, ability to have these conversations with experts in the field. So recently, I've been talking to people that are in the front line doing this research in neuroscience and looking at educational neuroscience as a way to show maybe ways to improve our educational system or different ways that games can be introduced in the curriculum so that kids not only love learning more, right? I think people attach to those games. It's it's something fun. But how do you make your normal day-to-day curriculum something more engaging, and exciting, and help just kids discover that love of learning? Yeah. I was thinking too, and I know when I reached out to you, I was like, ah, one of the reasons we love games is because in life, there's these downtimes, like there's active time and then there's passive time. And I'm not one personally to love, I just don't love my kids being on screens very often. You know, I prefer active time, but I also know like you can't be on and active 24 seven, you need some downtime. And for us, we have found that games are a really good tool to help during downtime to really kind of bring people down, but also to help them in strategy and in how they look at life can often be implied through a game. You know, we can take that mm-hmm. metaphor of a game and say like, okay, let's play this out. Where do we use games in our life and how do you see these playing out? So I'll give you one example and maybe you can kind of give me some examples back, but we were playing Battleship the other day. And this is just one of those games that, you know, you're always trying to figure out mm-hmm. whose ships are where. And the conversation I had with my son was around where do you place the ships? Like what's most predictable in life? And then how do you go to the place that's unpredictable? And then we got talking about in sports, like when you're playing baseball, you have to kind of predict where the ball's going to go. And how do you go where it's unpredictable? Mm-hmm. And then we got talking about just like innovation, like how when you can go to the unpredictable place, but where people need you to be like that's sometimes where you can innovate. And so it was a really fascinating conversation. Sorry, I'm going off, but I love those kinds of stories. So tell me a little bit too, like when you think about gaming, what are some of the implications in terms of how do we learn from games and what can that teach us? Yeah, I think one of the things that may be a misconception about games is a lot of times people think you have to, the main objective is to win. And in a lot of cases, winning isn't the best teacher of of games, right? That there's this idea that if you become so singularly focused on the outcome of winning, you may not enjoy it. And I think part of the joy for me in games and why we really just attach to them as vehicles for just fun and discovery and creativity is this ability to just keep pushing through and, and finding these ways in which you can discover something about yourself and get continuously improve and get better and better and better. And I think that that's something that's exciting. It's something we don't really get in life very easily. We don't get often get the times where we're always stressed about it has to be a hundred percent or, you know, or it feels like a loss, but loving the process I think is really exciting. So there are some games, you know, that I play and 
I don't play them necessarily every day or even every month, but every time that I play it, I'm always trying to get better and better. And it's kind of a game against myself rather than just focusing on, I have to win, you know, sometimes strategy in itself is something that's super exciting. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite games? Um, so right now I've been really enjoying, there's a game called Sagrada and it is inspired by the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. And it's really exciting because not only is it something that's very uh, strategic, right? You have to be able to, you roll these dice and you have to strategically place them. And like I said, it's it's inspired by the Sagrada Familia, which is a, a beautiful church in Barcelona, stained glass windows. And so these dice are different colors and so you have to kind of make these beautiful patterns. And so it reminds me also of a time when I was in Spain. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's something that's exciting about games as well. It's not just the physical piece uh, or the kind of this this physical thing you're working with. It's also these memories that get tied to games, either people you've historically played with, or like I said, if there's a game that's around a concept, it kind of is this nice reminder of, of something or, or somewhere that you went previously. That's a really good insight too into just the connection to adventure and that, you know, you can go on these little adventures within the game itself. Are there other games that yeah. you can think of like as an example where adventure, where it takes you on an adventure per se? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of games that for me inspire travel. Recently, my wife and I, you know, during our, our kind of time staying at home a lot, we got involved with these they would ship them over to you, but they're pretty much like an escape room, but there were there were boxes and it was called Finder Seeker boxes. And it's really interesting because each one had its own theme. So the last two that we played, one was about this mystery in Russia. And so there was a lot of these artifacts of around historical places in Russia and you would actually, you know, solve puzzles or, you know, you would kind of solve these word games and you slowly would piece together until you completed the box. And another one too about national parks we recently did and just had these beautiful pictures of places in the national parks. So we we were learning about national parks along playing the game and solving the puzzles, but it really inspired us to say, oh, wow, we've never been, you know, to Yosemite, uh, but we've learned a lot about it. So that's something that's definitely on our bucket list or, you know, Grand Teton or a lot of these places that maybe people have never been. So that's where I think games have this ability to inspire travel uh, as well. So I'm excited to see some of these places that we've been playing with and uh, hopefully get over to there here pretty soon. Yeah, I want to play these games. These some fun. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And another one too, you know, I know that you are one that kind of hits the road pretty frequently. Another one we played is Ticket to Ride, which is uh, a game that takes place a there's one map that we're currently playing. It's on the U.S. map, but it's a cool way to teach geography, uh, U.S. geography or whatever. There's different expansions that you can play in different countries and things like that. But but you're able to make these little tracks across the states and you are learning kind of these different places across different stations that you would then have to stop in for different points. And it's just an exciting way to, I think, also see geography so that as you're traveling through the U.S., you can say, oh, look, you know, there's Santa Fe. I remember we, we heard about that in, in Ticket to Ride. Or, you know, you start to develop this sense of, oh, wow, you know, here's that larger world that we're all a part of. Yeah, that we're so connected to and we don't even have a clue as to. I think one of the things that I love about things like this is it exposes you to the unconscious, right? Is Mm -hmm. if we think about Rome, what do we think about? Or we think about Paris, what do you think about? Like we know what is conscious, which is like Mm -hmm. the Eiffel Tower in Paris. But we don't know a lot of the things that are unique about those locations. And sometimes games is a really good way to unearth just hidden facts or hidden gems or things that are interesting about a location or a culture or the geography that we might not otherwise be exposed to. And I think it just makes it a lot more fun to learn. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of games sometimes don't even take place on a physical board. There's a lot of narrative-based games, you know, where you play as a character uh, and it's more a theater of the mind, a lot of role-playing games, you know, where you have a character and you embody that persona. And there's a lot of different ones out there. I think, you know, people hear maybe Dungeons and Dragons, but there's other ones that people can play. And I, I find that really interesting too, because it's very narrative-based and, you know, has a lot of tie to stories. And, you know, I think people love to tell stories. And I think that sometimes you can find games that have this, ability to embed a story in a physical space that maybe you can travel to. I think about this because I recently read a book not too long ago by Carlos Ruiz Zafon, which is called Shadow of the Wind that takes place in Barcelona. So going back to that trip as well. But in the back of the book, there was actually a map that was inspired kind of like by his thinking through of, of this story that he created. So even though it was a fictional story in terms of characters, the locations were real. And so this narrative was this interesting way to connect to that when we were traveling and then thinking through it. So it was kind of like a game in itself. You know, I think books and, and stories in themselves can have this interesting gamification to them that people can really connect to while on travel or, or even just thinking about ways that you can travel even if you're home. Yes. I love that we can expand people's perceptions around what games are too. You know, I love that when I think about a board game, I think about a box and I think about, mm -hmm. you know, Candyland or chess or the things that I grew up with. And I think games have come a long way in terms of what is possible and how you learn and grow through them. So I just really appreciate you even taking this on as a topic because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, thanks. And I, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, there's this identity of what a game is, right? People think of that box, like you said. But for me, you know, one of the most important games, I think, is just contained in a deck of cards, right? There's so much versatility in a deck of cards. They've been around for centuries. So there's tons of games that you can play. And cards are interesting because, you know, they're fairly inexpensive, they're accessible. And it's also a form I see as self-expression, right? They can be personalized. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, having a deck of cards, it's interesting because I have some of my favorite ones. My wife, you know, has a favorite deck of hers. And I think that that's a fun way to engage kids, right? Is if they can pick out their own deck, uh, it becomes kind of a piece of them, you know, a, a place to be personalized or have the self-expression. So that during game night, you know, maybe they play with that deck and it's something that's so, something special to them, you know, these accessories that go alongside gaming as well. Yes. And there's so many options, right? I think one of the appeals to me with like a deck of cards is that it's so, what's the word, practical, maybe? And mm -hmm. it like it can go with you anywhere. And every time you play it, it's a different experience. It's not like you're playing the same game over and over and over again, because it depends on the people that are with you, what the rules are, because, you know, it seems like everybody has a different variation of the rules. Yeah. But card games can also be so simple, or they can be pretty intense and games that have a lot of rules that are hard to follow. And so I just love that there's that much versatility. I think that's the word I was looking for. That much versatility in one game. And it's so easy to transport, right? We keep one in yeah. our RV at all times because you never know. Like, it's just an easy thing of like, let's play war or let's play um, aces or let's play spoons. Like, there's so many options for different ages and stages of where you are or what you want to be doing. Exactly. And I think it's a perfect thing to have in case of, let's say, your adventure that you were going to go on gets kind of, you know, stopped because of bad weather, you're stuck in an airport, you can turn a bad situation into a fun situation. And like you said, it's something as simple as a deck of cards that can fit in your pocket. And so I've been thinking through, you know, different games that are fun to have on travel that are kind of small, and, uh, you know, can be pretty self-contained and don't take up, you know, these large boxes that, you know, you can't yeah. fit in a backpack. You want to be able to kind of have these small games. And so I'd, I'd like to kind of have a bunch of those anytime I go on travel as kind of these adventure backups or, or just how to turn some downtime, like you said, into a, a fun way of, of killing some time. 
Yeah, and I'll just share. Actually, we have two or three that kind of always make it in the bag because they don't take up much space and they're easy to pull out and play anywhere. And so I would say, well, we always have a deck of cards. That doesn't count. The other one that we have, this is kind of a recent addition. My kids just got it. It's called Canoodle. Uh It's a strategy puzzle game where you have to try to fit. There's essentially a small little... I don't know, pocket, so to speak, of a little platform. And all of the parts fit into these, I think there's like 24 little places, but it's almost like Tetris, so to speak, on a board. <laughs> and you can uh-huh. yeah. you can make like a one-dimensional <laughs> design or you can make a three-dimensional design. And it's just, it's so simple. And I'm always finding my kids are constantly playing it or they're trying to like help each other play it. It's just one of those things that's really easy to travel with and it's fun. So that one I love. And then we also bring Bananagrams wherever we go, just because sometimes it's like, yeah, let's just like see what words we can make. And it's so good for learning, you know, which Uh if you aren't familiar with Bananagrams, it's like Scrabble without a board, (laughs) you know, like you can make your own little Scrabble board, exactly, which is fun. And it's everything from like my son who's five is learning his sight words. We use Bananagrams for that. Or we play like a really intense game of like, what word is this? (laughs) Is this even (laughs) a word? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think some of my favorite ones to play on travel as well. There's a, a, a card game called Palace that I like to play. And it's interesting because it's it uses a deck of cards. It's really fun because it's not about winning. It's about not losing. And so that kind of creates an interesting oh. dynamic, you know, among friends or family, because, you know, it's exciting to see at the end, you know, who who's the person that uh, didn't win. And it just gets really kind of fun and exciting. Um, another one I like to play that's easily put into the pocket. It's called Pass the Pigs. Have you ever seen this one by chance? Oh, no, I haven't. So it's a dice game, but instead of dice, they're little tiny miniature pigs and you roll them. And based on the position that they roll in, you get points. And it's so it's super goofy. It's hilarious. And it's one of those things that just it's very lighthearted and uh, and really fun as well. That's fascinating. I love that you mentioned I want to go back to a concept you mentioned earlier, too, that, you know, so many times when you're adventuring, there's just like these down days or rainy day or whatever. And having a backup plan for fun. We had an experience this fall where. Like we were just kind of done with adventure for a while, you know, like it was just we were all exhausted and it was a rainy September day. And one of the um, events that we I typically would attend for work became a virtual event. And it was this event in a box. But essentially what they did is they turned the entire thing into a game. Mm -hmm. So even though we're talking about actual prepackaged board games, I also think it's very easy to create a game out of just about anything. My kids are always, you know, like yesterday, I don't even know what game they were playing, but they're always just kind of creating games Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that also, we forget about that sometimes is like, let's make a game out of this as opposed to like, do this job, (laughs) do these things. And so I think games have a really fun way to transport people into a fun and entertaining place while still doing work. Yeah, no, I I agree because... Part of it is just that ability to connect once again with, with someone else in a very unique way. I know, you know, a lot of times people can can bemoan, you know, group building exercises if they're playing some games. But if it's done very intentionally, I think it does create the sense of camaraderie and and just this connection that is very unique to, like you said, the normal day to day grind potentially in in the workplace. And another thing too, you mentioned, I, I totally agree with the kids are just wonderful about being able to suspend reality and just kind of dive into something and create these games. And, you know, it's wonderful to see, you know, I have a nephew and I'd love to see when he is just so creative and he's is kind of getting these brand new ideas and just going with it. And I think a lot of times, you know, kids, we think nowadays, right, that are potentially stuck in front of their phones or, you know, computer games and, and they're not interacting with one another. So when you can find something that sparks their interests and it's 
it's kind of used in a way to be social or or be creative. It's super exciting to see. And I think that also happens to adults. You know, we lose some of our creativity and our creative edge yeah. as we get older. And so finding ways to, to maintain that, I think, is also important, not only for the socialness of kind of games, but also just keeping our brain fresh. You know, there's a lot of activities that have been looked into in the neuroscience that show some games have the ability to expand our memory or our cognitive agility. And so I, I would like to see more and more of that research come out and, and inspire people who may think, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm too old for games or, you know, I tried games in the past, but it wasn't my thing. You know, I want to, I want that to be able to be kind of uh, one of those misconceptions I, I helped tackle down. I love that. This has been a fascinating conversation, Austin. I'm so excited. Is there anything else that you thought I was going to ask that I, we didn't get to or that you wanted to highlight? Um, I think one of the things that I wanted to note is just this ability. I know a lot of people think sometimes you have to have a bunch of friends around to play a game, but a lot of games can be done solo. You know, a lot of people have been putting in a lot of work, uh, especially now when people in quarantine is just this idea of solo play or co-op, you know, two player games where it's not necessarily you're trying to win, but collectively you're trying to work together. And I think that's a skill that I want to see more happening in games. This ability to work together for a common goal is something I'm really excited to see. That's excellent. I really appreciate all of this. This has been a fascinating conversation. I love getting, I feel like I geek out a little bit, but this is like so fascinating to me that so much is happening behind the scenes and how games can be such a critical component to our lives on so many different levels. If people wanted to connect with you or follow your content or hang out with you or play games with you, how would they do that? Yeah, definitely. So I'm on social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me at Matt and Board. Uh, that's you can usually find me on, on all of those uh, channels. Uh, just really quick, the, the, you know, the show title gives a nod to the places that games are played mostly. So I, I say on a play mat or a game board. So that's where you kind of get that mat and board. So that's just a, a little background of, of kind of how it got the name. But would love to connect on on any of those platforms. Uh, I've been experimenting with different ways of playing, maybe streaming online and playing games. And but really, I wanted to start this conversation, and I want to hear stories around how games have changed you or or your bonds with your. Family family and friends. Thank you so much. That was fascinating. Seriously, I really appreciate this conversation. It was completely exciting for me to geek out with you. And I say geek out, but really, I think this is just a normal conversation that we need to have more often. Yeah, no, definitely. And thank you so much for having me on. I'd love to talk about this topic. And hopefully your listeners out there will pick up a game and, and try it out and, and let us know how it went. I love this conversation. I found it completely fascinating, and I hope you did too. I have 10 key takeaways for this episode. Number one, think about gaming more than just entertainment, but as a vehicle to bring us closer together and teach us about ourselves. Number two, games are an interesting way to foster multi-generational connection. Games aren't just for the kids anymore. It's for mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, maybe even aunts and uncles. All of those activities, even from a neuroscience perspective, have skill building value for all ages. Number three, games can help build strategic thinking skills with transference into many other areas of life. Some of the examples we talked about were just critical thinking and planning your life, learning about different content, having applications into innovation and potentially even into sports. Number four, a misconception about games is that the focus is on winning. Winning isn't always the best teacher. If we reframe games as vehicles for fun, discovery, and creativity, individuals can use games to reinforce the skills of perseverance, continuous improvement, and learning more about themselves in the process. Number five, 
Games can be tools for connection, often triggering memories, either through the content of the game or the shared experience playing the game with others. Number six, playing a game can be a mini adventure in times when you might not be able to physically adventure. Likely 2020 brought forth a resurgence of gaming, but it also is a great opportunity to engage in games when there's poor weather or you're just having a down day. Number seven, games can be a tremendous tool for learning about something new or deepening your learning in a fun way. Number eight, many people consider games to be something in a box, yet the versatility and simplicity of a deck of cards can't be overlooked. Number nine, Kids have this amazing ability to suspend reality. Let them dive into something by creating a game. Encourage these opportunities to really embrace their imagination, creativity, and exploration. Number 10. As adults, we sometimes lose our creative edge as we get older. Board games can provide a medium to help our brains stay fresh. Activities have been looked into in neuroscience and show that some games have the ability to expand our memory and our cognitive agility. It was fascinating. I love this episode. I'm so excited. As I alluded to earlier, I have compiled all of the games we discussed in this episode, as well as a few others. And you can access that by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash games. Or if you just go to the episode link, every episode has its, has its own webpage on my, on my website. So just so you know, always look in the show notes. It's usually just the backslash of the episode number. So this would be backslash 034. And I always list everything there. So if you're not in your show notes or you can't access them, just know that you can always just go back and look at the episode based on our our website using that backslash and the episode number. It's why I keep the episodes in the title. And for this episode, there are tons of game recommendations for families in particular, some of Austin's favorites, some of our favorites. But then also I asked my you know, my avid gamer friends to say, what kind of games do your family love playing? So there's a lot of options that are listed there, at least 20 that are listed in that download. So I hope that is helpful. I hope you have fun. Let's get out some games and play and hopefully we can find more ways to create simple and authentic adventures together. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.